the comic book pit. Okay. episode 180 they had been doing it oh man for years oh wow but the volume discrepancy was so great it was like you could only hear one of them and that's impossible it's the worst i think that's how our first one was (laughs) here at in the studio i think that's what yeah um, yeah because i I, i'm i'm not used to all the (laughs) the high tech there's a lot happening yeah but 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 it always just boils down to like three buttons or three knobs but I'm like, uh, I don't know what to touch. <laughs> I'm afraid to touch anything. I always wonder about that when you see an airplane cockpit, mm. and it's like it's absurd the amount of yeah. switches and buttons. I and I think like, no, it can't take that most many. Most of those, yeah, are, they're not doing anything with most yeah. of those, right? Yeah. These are all for show. <laughs> <laughs> they just set them, and they're like, yep, you know, some somebody, whoever built the plane, just put them in. And if was you like, really had set. to maintain all of those gauges and buttons, yeah. there would be plane crashes all the time. Yeah, that's like, true. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. People can't drive cars. You know? <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah. Good. <laughs> all right. That's right. Well, to do, a, I guess, a proper introduction, this is a comic book pit, uh, episode 271. I'm Dan. And I am Scott. And we're joined by our special guest, Jim Rugg. Woohoo! Hi, Jim. Hello. <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us at the uh, Sorgatron Media Studios here in bright and sunny Beachview. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> bright and sunny. Yeah, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful week here in a Pittsburgh. Beautiful, beautiful winter day in April. Yeah, yes. it yeah. snowed all day <laughs> in my house. It's ridiculous. I'm ready to yeah. pack up and yeah. move. We've all had enough. Yeah. yeah. It's too much. <laughs> too much. So. Um, well, Scott, I see you've got uh, you've got a few things in front of you. What do you got there? <laughs> well, I it, it's coincidentally I was at Half Price Books yesterday, mm-hmm. and I found I found uh, Street Angel and Blue Wraith, which uh, I have like the creators in the house here. So I thought <laughs> that that is too awesome. So I I had to grab both. I actually own both of these already, but I was like, I'm buying them again. I charge so. I, I, I charge for signings. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, should I review, should I talk about these? Please oh, don't yeah. review my book. <laughs> yeah. Here's blue Wraith. Am I on, am I on video? You Cause are. I, I have no idea. Uh, but no, this you're, is... no, you're not on video now. What? what? <laughs> Look at this cover. Um, so this is Dan's book from uh, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. A lot of years ago. Yeah. Uh, from 2009. Wow. Yeah. You know, that podcast really ate up all your time. I tell you what, no, I'm, just really... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh. Yeah, Blue Wraith. I don't know. 
I don't know what to say about it. I didn't get to read it yet, like reread it. Yeah. So, um, but what a fun project. Um, actually, I'm going to let Jim look look through it. Yeah, looks look, looks good from a distance. Um, see up close. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, once it gets up close, it all falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I like that Dan did in the book, just look at, flipping through the pages, is that he did it without uh, like the hard black lines that you typically find in comics. That's the first thing I noticed. Right. That's, that's uh, something we may talk about later with, with Street Angel. But Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, it, it was sort of stepping out of the, uh, you know, the norm, which yeah. is nice I was, for uh, indie comics, too. Yeah, I remember I was going for so. a, like a, like, I guess I was trying for like a simpler, like a block, like a, I don't know, I don't know if blockier is the right term, yeah, but more I, of like a, just, just flat colors. Yeah. And just. I mean, Scott McDaniel did something like that with, uh, with um, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. When he did Fall from Grace. And then I think he did that with uh, Nightwing maybe as well. But he did that weird thing where it was all like the only thing that were in black were like the hard shadows. And then everything else was uh, the colors okay. that define the characters. So that's what I always think of when I see the Blu-ray though is that it's like that kind of idea. That's interesting. I think you see more of this now, the lack of mm-hmm. hard, hard black outline. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know if it's because they're displayed on screen or something, you know, it's more attractive. Yeah. But for whatever reason, like I see this, I'm surprised it's 2009 because it does feel like something that people I see yeah. more of now mm-hmm. than I was seeing then. Yeah. yeah. So. But in, in a way, though, I mean, it, for for it, it was more of an experiment for me because I was always doing like the more tr- just traditional, you know, line art, and then I just started playing around and just Photoshop and that's how I started doing it. And then after a while, I mean, I, I liked doing it, but then after a while I kind of regretted that because I had to stick with that. Oh yeah. And then I, I think I decided once I finished the original story, I was going to that's go, right. go back to a different, you know, maybe more traditional style. But I think that's pretty normal too. Yeah. I, I know anytime I, by the time I finish a story, it's always like, okay, whatever I did on that story you know, like the next story is an adjustment to do it a different way or yeah. right. try something else. Or, yeah. you know, I've learned that I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I was doing like um, I was doing so many layers that I was just it was ridiculous, you know, to get all the different. Oh, yeah. You were doing it like photo. Were you doing Photoshop? Yeah. To color it? Yeah. 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 That gets out, that can get out of hand like pretty quickly. Crazy. Um but yeah, it's definitely a fun. It's definitely a fun way to experiment with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with media. So yeah, and that, um, and that was a uh, that was the the days of Drunk Duck too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Drunk Duck was still a thing. Yeah. So um, you posted this, uh, like basically one page went up, but it was in three parts, right? Yeah, they were all, you... they were all originally strips. So it was like a strip. Yeah, each yeah. strip went up each day, and then I collected so, them, and and then it became a. Uh, a page. Yeah. So, yeah, this is awesome. Um, sorry to anybody that's going to Half Price Books because I bought the last one um, in what, North Hills. What, what, what'd you pay for that bad boy? I paid one solid dollar. Wow. Yeah. Originally $3, <laughs> though, so it's not bad. I mean, that's... If you want, I'll give you a half re- price. Yeah. I'll, if you want, I'll give you a refund on that. I'll <laughs> it's, uh, that's, that's early color print on demand. Yeah, that too, was right? yeah, that was uh, if you look yeah. at the back, oh, yeah. it was the Kablam. Kablam. Yeah. 
which are, are they still around? Kablam is still around, I believe. Or am I thinking of the other one? What was the uh, Comic Express was the other one, right? Yeah, Comic Express is the one that went out. Okay. Yeah. Kablam is yeah, still. Yeah, Kablam's still still a business. Because I think so. doesn't um, uh, Garrett Free doesn't he still use Kablam? I think for so. His, his books. Yeah. Okay. They have a nice. They have like a nice online store as well. If you want to buy, um, I believe you can buy either digital comics or print that from them. Sense. Yeah, and then do. So they do print on demand, so you can actually order one copy of a book and they'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just run it off and and literally make that copy for you. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So. Mm-hmm. I make I make copies of like all of my books. Oh really? Um, yeah. Whenever okay. I um whenever I had done Street Angel's Dog, the first version of it was the first comic we did for uh, Image Comics, and as soon as I finished the line art, then I had to run out to Kinkos or somewhere and like make you know oh nice. myself because I have I, I oh so you have like an ash can kind of yeah, exactly like oh, it's nice. a real ash can in yeah. the sense that it was just a mock up for myself yeah that's um, awesome and I did one then you know cut to a couple years later when I did the Street Angels Dog I did the same thing of like okay I've got to make one of these and see how it looks <laughs> just to and, see it yeah, yeah and, and and to proof also like you know that version slightly different there are a couple mm-hmm. of panels that I redrew um, so. Yeah, I get very excited by that. That's it's cool. nice that now you can just run one off. Yeah, you know, with these companies, I, I think we all were making comics about the same time, mm-hmm. like early two thousands. So it was yeah. interesting to see all of the yeah. print-on-demand stuff come up. You know, before then it was all photocopies, which aren't that mm-hmm. different, except that you had to right. track down the photocopies yourself. Um, yeah, as opposed to just sending you know PDFs and I think getting it in the mail. we were printing on eleven by seventeen paper. And doing it two sided, and then trying to trim it down, you know, with a paper I, cutter. I still do that. You do? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't yeah, know I if mean, it's awesome or not, but I still yeah. do it. <laughs> well, I think it's it's definitely like a it's a, a lost art. I don't, you know, I I feel like people aren't making comics the way we did, like you said, back in the early you know two thousands or whatever. You know, just making ash cans and mini comics and stapling them or whatever folding them you're you know staying up all night folding comics you know that was i mean that was kind of like a fun thing to do like when you're getting ready for a show and you're up all night you know folding comics and getting your con box ready and that yeah that was uh kinko like a run to kinko's at you know midnight (laughs) on thursday night before the show that was kind of how we did it or sometimes, so. sometimes during the show. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I remember shows, SPX, and places where people were making them on Saturday oh, night yeah. or Friday yeah. night. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sitting at the table, stapling. You know, yeah. That's awesome. Morning, making, I love it. Making comics on the go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you have, do we want to go back and forth, or do you yeah, want to just like got, talk um, about? I have one that's kind of like, it's it, it's, an, it's a new comic, but it's also kind of a, when I read it, it was kind of a blast of the past. Um. I don't know if you guys are reading any of the new the G.I. Joe ongoing from IDW, The Real American Hero. I have not I have not been I'll, reading I'll the newer ones. With the new uh Snake Eyes, right? Yeah, it's so this is issue two fifty. Um there are actually two Snake Eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The original or no? He's dead. That's what I thought. He died like two years ago. Yeah. Did you know about this? I, I didn't know. This. Yeah. <laughs> you sound so forlorn. <laughs> well, yeah. well I'm, I, I think the reason I'm depressed is because I actually read a, like a synopsis of 
like the death of Snake Eyes storyline, and then uh, there was a subsequent new Snake Eyes, and then the new female Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a mess. I mean, <laughs> you got I mean Serpentors involved. Wow. And, um, that the the town of Springfield still exists. Oh wow! And it's like completely Cobra owned and operated, mm-hmm. um, and the 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 newest Snake Eyes is a teenage teenage girl. She's not just like a girl; she's a teenager. Yeah. And then the other Snake Eyes who is, still exists, he was the son of a former Crimson Guard. <laughs> it, it, it's huh, but. Was he one of the Crimson Guards from the original series, though? Because there was one. I, I, maybe. I I sort of I sort of remember because that was one of the first comics I I ever read, and okay. I read it until almost the end, and like a dummy, I stopped reading it about five issues. And now, of course, those issues are impossible to find. Yeah. Oh, and um, Doctor Mindbender's involved too. Oh. Now, now Doctor now Doctor Mindbender figures prominently into this storyline because he inadvertently implanted the memories of the original snake eyes into <laughs> the teenage girl's mind. Oh so that's why she's running around thinking that she which, is the original, but well, not yeah, like she, she doesn't think she is, but she's got all of his memories and she doesn't know how to cope with the fact that she's got like basically the memories of this cold blooded killer. This Vietnam, <laughs> Who was, he was originally a Vietnam vet. I don't know what he is now. <laughs> but um, but uh, Storm Shadow found out about this. I guess Storm Shadow is kind of a good guy now. Yeah. And he tracked her down, and he's helping her get all you know. In fact, he, and, the whole reason this this is how much I know, but um, the whole reason he was part of Cobra was to find out who killed the, the hard, Hardmaster. The Hardmaster. Yeah. Which was Zartan. Which right? he found out was Zartan later. Yeah, this is so, like, this is like a soap opera. Yeah, this is crazy. So that was his allegiance was only because of that. So once that was done, he yeah he went on his own. So well the um the, so the the cool part of this issue this um it's just the the final issue of this of uh this car- this girl her name's Dawn becoming Snake Eyes is um they they flash back to the early issue um. From the original Marvel series, number twenty-seven, where I don't know if, kind of a classic cover where their uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are fighting on top of a subway or something, and it's a great cover. Yeah, and Storm Shadow's kicking Snake Eyes out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that was my first issue I ever bought. That was well, and, yeah. and that's that's the second part of the origin of Snake yep. Eyes, right? Yep. Um, they they um, they reference that that issue. Like the specific scenes, like they cop, like kind of copy um, scenes from that issue into this. Oh wow! Like there's another um, fight between the new Snake Eyes and uh, maybe Storm Shadow on top of a subway. Oh, it's yeah, it's really cool. Nice. So I haven't. I mean, this is the first ongoing GI Joe I've picked up in probably since I was a teenager. I mean, like, like, well, short of a. Well, I was gonna say we've we've read some of the miniseries, like the one when G. they Joe had Cobra and yeah, when they featured Chuckles. Yeah, that was yeah, that was 
But that was those were mini series. Yeah. But like I'm talking about like And this is the Larry this is still Larry Hama that Yeah and this that is, wrote the original series is still writing this. Right. And this yeah. is supposed to be a direct continuation mm-hmm. because they're because there's a difference between just like G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe a real American hero. Yeah. Like they the you know, it's called like if you see ever see like G.I. Joe R A H in parentheses, that means real American hero, that's yeah. a continuation of the original Marvel stuff. So which is you know what, raw. <laughs> which uh, Larry Hama is still he's still doing. It's it. amazing, but um, yeah, I, this was strangely uh, it was it was completely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. Like you know, seeing the reference to the like the old eighties Marvel. Um, That's cool. Like yeah, um, kind of makes me want to go back and reread all that stuff. Like go like I haven't read it. In, like I said, since yeah, I was we're, a kid. right because there. What'd you say? There are two. It's issue two fifty. This is issue two. So it's been a hundred issues, or well, uh, ninety five issues since the original series ended. I think with one fifty five, and then they picked it back up. The number he picked up, what, just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and they also moved it forward in time. Was the other thing, like they made it present day. So oh, okay. So yeah, they had to kind of fill that gap of what what happened between. You know, through the '90s or whatever. So mm-hmm. that was a little jarring. That's I think that might be why I didn't read it because also it, it also seemed kind of decompressed. So I was like reading it and I'm like, what? I, I don't think anything happened, and I'm not going to pay four or five dollars a month <laughs> mm-hmm. to wait and see. So I was like, I'm out. But uh, I, I yeah, it, lately though, it seems like it's been getting a lot more. There's a lot more happening with. Uh, you know, with the Snake Eyes stuff, which is pretty much has always been the draw of G.I. Joe. Yeah, it's always been the Snake ninja Eyes. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is, is cool, but that's the that's the big part. Mm-hmm. So. What what prompted you to try this issue, Dan? Well, we get um, we get a lot of uh, review issues, like review copies from different companies. And uh, we get, you know, IDW is one of those companies. And there's not a lot that IDW puts out that I'm really interested in. They, they do a lot of licensed properties Mm -hmm. and I mean, they're all good properties like turtles, transformers, GI Joe, but you know, they're none of those. I follow month in and month out. I haven't really read any of those um, with any regularity, but, but GI Joe, like I, you know, again, that was something I read when I was a kid. And um, so I thought, you know what? It's, I've been hearing about this new Snake Eyes. Like, what are they doing with her? This is kind of, and this is like an anniversary issue. So I thought, I'm just going to jump in, just like like the old days when you used to just buy a comic off the spinner rack and not have any idea what's going on. But you're like, hey, I'm just going to read it and see what happens. Yeah. So now I read it and I had to, <laughs> I had to uh, go to the internet to figure out what <laughs> what, <laughs> what any of this meant. Um, but I still, in a weird way, enjoyed it. Uh, I I thought the art was really good, which sometimes for some of these licensed books can be a pitfall. You know, the either they have a house style, or yeah. it's just <laughs> or they need a house style. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or there's just a lack yeah. of style. Um, but no, this was pretty good. The only thing I I really, you know, I, I think I I liked it when I was younger, like um, when the like Phase Two Snake Eyes came out and he had he was like. He was still black, but he had like the gray yeah. belts, and he had the visor. Mm-hmm. I think everybody 
liked the visor. Yeah. I thought the visor was awesome. Yeah. I don't like the visor anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> no. I, and and I, th- I I think seeing it on this new Snake Eyes, because that's what she has. She has the yeah. visor. Seeing it on the new Snake Eyes, I'm like, that's that seems so unwieldy. That seems like just counterintuitive for like a commando yeah. or a ninja to have basically like like this a Jordy visor. Yeah. Like how are yeah. you? You know, like how, how how do you have a full range of vision with this? Like looking out like Venetian blinds. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. Um, but I I think that's just me being old. And, you know, like, ah. it's kind of unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the, um, I, yeah, G.I. Joe is so I always, unrealistic. I always love when anybody pulls unrealistic in regards to any comic yeah. feature. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that mask is dated though? Or do you feel that, it, do you feel that it's more of a eighties, nineties kind of, I think it's a little dated. Yeah. You know, again, it, it was, I mean, it was awesome when it first came out. Like when, when the, when the snake eyes redesign came out. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a sword. Yeah. <laughs> and a wolf. And a wolf. <laughs> I always forget about the wolf. You don't get, you don't, yeah. yeah, you don't get much more badass than a, a ninja with a wolf. <laughs> you know? I mean. That's true. So. I, I Honestly, I, I love Star Wars, but I always get caught up on, like, why the biker scouts had the masks that, like, the you couldn't oh, see yeah. anything unless it's supposed to be, like, horse racing kind of. I don't know, but, like. <laughs> <laughs> you're dodging trees. You'd want to have your full range of vision, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think anything like that. I think like, yeah, it is an old guy. It's like, is that functional? You know, mm-hmm. does this work? Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, but it looks cool. And then I'm, then I let it go again. Yeah. Or when you, so, like you see like uh, female superheroes with like this all this hair, and you're like, should I pull that back? Yeah. <laughs> you might want to put that on a ponytail if you're going into battle. You know, that's 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 so impractical. And why are you wearing heels? And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's old old, old man syndrome. <laughs> this is this is so impractical. Um. So yeah. So okay. that that's all I got for I, I for GI Joe. I might um, continue with it just to see where they go from here because um the again the character is like. She's a teenager, so she technically can't even join the team. Like, one of the last scenes is, you know, Scarlet basically saying, well, if you want to join the army, we'll be waiting for you when you're done with boot camp or something. I'm like, well, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're going to make her go. I mean, well, I guess first she's got to, like, find a way. High school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Hey, it's never too young to start fighting crime. (laughs) Isn't that right? I guess so, yeah. No, I don't know. Um, so, Street Angel? Oh, good, we... good segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I never have good segues. I actually had a good one. So, um, I also didn't... I bought this at the Half Price Books last night, and I was super pumped. Um, and this even has a variant cover on the back, which I thought was kind of cool. It's like a... It's, it's a totally different take. Like, I... That's that's sort of your like I I always like that that you always come in with like um, like reinvented styles in your artwork. It's because so. I always loved like pinups. You know, Marvel yeah. would always have Wolverine mm-hmm. was like my favorite book when I was a kid, and they would have yeah. the Wolverine gallery with different artists. Oh yeah, you know, sometimes radical you know interpretations mm-hmm. of Wolverine. 
I couldn't afford to hire anyone to do that. <laughs> so I would just try to do it myself. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, each one, each of those original issues would have a different a different art art style, you know, aping a different yeah. art for that. Scott, hold that up. Again. What do you think? Were you going for like? It, it, I'm I'm saying you went for like a Jim Lee. Jim Lee's exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it reminds me of like um, at the time, like a Gen 13. I was gonna say, or, remember um, uh, Rising Stars? Yeah. Like there were like that's how like some of the characters looked with, you know, and, and of course that was a thing with like the thong. You know, oh yeah. Showing above the the, the waistline and. Um. So yeah, I, I honestly I, I didn't get to read this. I, I read it years ago, so I'm kind of uh, going back in memory. But I also realized that um, this is more you. You were more the artist on this book, and not. I was a co-writer. You co-wrote too. Okay. Um, because I was going to comment on the art, but <laughs> one of the, th- the art, yeah, yeah. Um, well, just immediately, like, because I I was reading some of your newer stuff tonight. And how different this is from, like, this is, you know, when was this? Uh, Probably 03. 04. 04. Yeah, 03, 04 probably um, to illustrate. But, uh, I mean, the um, the use of blacks on this is great. Um, but, like I say, completely different. Like, you can just see, you don't have to see the detail, but you can mm-hmm. see, like, how the black creates a composition. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I, I like, I always like that in black and white comics, that there's like really strong um, use of sp- like negative space, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, that was such a, um, so that's the first comic I ever had published. Oh, okay. And everything that I do now is sort of different <laughs> process wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like I didn't do layouts for that book. I just went oh. from a script to pages, and then the next thing I did uh, was a book for DC Comics, and I had to do layout. I had to do, you know, like what we call layouts, thumbnails, okay. roughs, yeah, um, for my editor. And after I did that, now it's like I do several sets of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, nice. You know, so it, it's it is very different. But the black and white stuff, um, you know, when we were looking at your book, Dan, it made me think of how much that has changed in terms of. When I started making comics, like it was, I want to do indie comics because I want to do my own stuff, right. and that meant black and white comics. And there right. were lots of great ones to look at, you know. Like right. once I started thinking that way, those were the books I would read, right. you know. Uh, and I learned to use those tools, like that was inked with very traditional uh, pen nibs and brushes, oh, yeah. you know, things that you would read about. This, is, these are the tools to draw comics with. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, everybody draws with everything, myself included. But back then, you know, there was kind of a way to make this stuff, and I tried to learn that. But since then, color printing has gotten much cheaper. So it's yeah. not like, oh, yeah. you do an indie book, it has to be black and white. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't know how interesting that is to a listener, but it is this progression that's happened in a relatively short amount of time. You know, that book's 04, and most independent comics yeah. then would have been black and white. You know, yeah. even a lot of the image books were black and white at that time. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, probably 10 or 15 years, that changed completely. And now I think majority of books that you'd find on New Comic Book Day most of them are in color. Right. Um, you know, it's not cost prohibitive the way it used to be. Right. I yeah. think, like, Walking Dead's a mainstay for black and white. Um, but other than that, there might be a couple, yeah, that, yeah, it's, that, that it's, do the black yeah, and white for – but it's more towards uh, the mood of the story or whatever to set it. So not that they had to do it that way. Yeah. So. I, I think people see them on screens, too, like you held up G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. Dan, on your iPad. Um 
you know, it, it, it's definitely different once you're looking at these great screens, if it's in black and white, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of, it's almost jarring. Like you don't see a lot of black and white work there. Mm-hmm. That was something else that I know, like I follow your, um, just different social medias, whatever. Um, but you posted a difference in, uh, like a, I think it was Hellboy and this was a couple years ago, but you basically posted like how it looks on screen to versus how it, it looks in print. And like, I never realized what, what a difference, but like the vibrancy of, of the screen is. It's dramatic for yeah. a while. Whenever I was doing color work, I would, I would do two files, one for print, one for screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've moved away from that just cause it gets to be kind of tedious. Okay. Um, but there is such a difference, yeah. you know, and I think that a lot of those books, like the Hellboy book in particular, what happens is everybody's seeing it on screen. It's being colored on screen. The editor's signing off or approving oh, it on yeah. screen. There's never, you know, and especially with a comic book, because they're so cheap and the profit margin's so low, it's not like you're getting actual proofs usually. Yeah. So you're never seeing it in print and saying, oh, these colors are dark or dull or, right. you know, different than the screen. It's just like... That's never part of the process. <laughs> right. Um, I think they do adjust sometimes for the collected editions. Okay. And I was just thinking about that post recently because I – it was Hellboy in Hell, number one, was what That's, that was okay. about. Right. And I was you know, big Mike Mignola fan. Yeah. So I was super excited when that book came out, and I got the digital copy first, mm-hmm. which is why I noticed mm-hmm. the difference. Okay. Because it was like, wow, mm. this is brighter. And, right. You know, there's all this detail that's dropping out. And now I have the artist edition, and – the lettering is done separately. So the artist edition is just black and white, you know, like 11 by 17, no yeah. words. And it's amazing. I think uh, it's my favorite version. That's awesome. <laughs> so like, you know, <laughs> each version of that story is slightly different for, yeah. for those reasons. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready to add, like, the, uh, the the appendix to that article about how oh, this, nice. the artist okay. edition is my favorite version so far. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. His, you know, his work looks really good in black and white and in color, which yeah. is rare. Yeah. Um, I just talked to Jeff Smith about the same thing where, like, I think, you know, a lot of his work now has been colored. It was originally oh, yeah. done in black and oh, white, right. like, oh, yeah, like yeah. Bone and Razzle. Yeah. And it looks really good in color. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty rare that the black and white, especially that hard black and white, you know, like the ink, that that works well with color. Right. You know, like one of the shifts that I've done in my own work is away from the hard black and white inking mm-hmm. because I would just go to the New Comics Day and just look at, you know, every comic to try to figure out what works, what doesn't, right. how do I want my book to look. And I kept seeing the black ink sitting on top of the page, and it would just flatten it. You know, you have all this rendering and digital coloring, and it looks beautiful. And then on top of it is like a net or a grid of this super flat black. Yeah. And It's like, yeah, like they scraped off the top. Yeah, it just just take this depth and just flatten it. And so whenever somebody's art works both ways, I'm always impressed by that because it's it's not a given. You know, I think usually it Mm -hmm. doesn't work both ways. Um, but Mignola is one of those guys that does. Jeff Smith is one of those guys. I never does. thought about because yeah. that's I always liked um, Alan Davis when he did the magazines. Like Alan Davis did like the Captain Britain magazines, and they were always originally in black and white, and then they went to color. And now, if you look at Alan Davis, Davis's work nowadays, there's no black on the pages. Like he totally leaves it up to the colorist yeah. to color the entire page. And I never thought. I always thought like that was a shortcut, but now that you say that, yeah, probably. You know, the inkers used to do everything that – a lot of what the colorists mm-hmm. do now. They yeah. would do texture. They would do shadows. They would do form. Mm-hmm. They would do atmosphere. Yeah. And now almost all of those things, usually that's handled by a colorist now. So that if you sense. still have the inker approaching it that way, yeah. then you have the inker and the colorist fighting it out on yeah. the page. That's true. And that that's just never point. works. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. 
Well, they're good. It's sad because I love inking, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> My first I know. real paying job in comics was as an inker. Oh, man. Um, but it's, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're loading something else, Dan? Yeah, I just... Um... Do you want me to do a book? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I didn't bring one to hold up, unfortunately. I wasn't aware of the cameras. <laughs> um, so uh, a book that I read recently is, Is This Guy For Real? The Unbelievable Andy Kaufman by Box Brown. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book or not, but it's um, Andy Kaufman, the comedian actor. Yeah. Uh, it follows – it's kind of a biography of him with a focus on his wrestling. It's not exclusively the oh, wrestling, nice. but I'm a wrestling fan, yeah. so that was yeah. my interest. Box Brown had done an Andre the Giant biography several years ago. I remember that, This yeah. is the mm-hmm. same publisher, um, you know, in, in similar territory. You know, Box is, is a wrestling fan, so – I enjoyed that part. Um, I like Andy Kaufman. I enjoyed yeah. that movie, Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. probably my first big exposure yeah. to him whenever that movie came out, and I was a fan of it then. And so I like, you know, anything about him. Usually That's I find cool. interesting. Yeah, and Box's take, besides the wrestling part, it's a pretty good portrait of him. Like, uh, it ends with an anecdote that is that Andy Kaufman's brother tells Box towards the end of his research. And it's about uh, Andy Kaufman and his brother were walking along the boardwalk, and there was a kid there with, like, a carnival game, and there was no crowd at all. And Andy Kaufman goes up and, and kind of makes this scene. And by the time he's done interacting with this this kid, a whole crowd has, has come around, and they're all, you know, once he steps away from the game, then they're all paying their money and playing the game. Oh, it's nice. kind of this, like, really nice little moment of Kaufman being himself and entertaining people yeah. and you know, building this crowd, but also kind of helping this guy out. He's oh, like sitting cool. there with his head down and, you know, oh. feeling bad. Um, but it's the wrestling stuff is, is what I came for. Yeah, it does yeah. not disappoint. Um, I, again, I don't know how big of wrestling fans you guys are, but it gets into the specifics of, of the whole storyline and experience. And it's amazing because, like, my interest in wrestling developed with all the podcasts about wrestling and wrestlers talking about storytelling and wrestling. And oh, it really yeah. goes through, mm-hmm. and you get to see, like, Andy Kaufman loved wrestling, loved the storytelling oh, cool. aspect, mm-hmm. and builds his, you know, like, builds this storyline where he gets to participate in wrestling. That's cool. Based on getting, making the crowd hate him, uh, you know, <laughs> and then talking to the, a promotion that yeah. would have him. You know, the first promotion he approached was Vince McMahon's, uh, I guess it would have been his father maybe was still in charge of the, what would become the WWF. Okay. And they weren't really interested. They didn't really know what to do with him. They had, yeah. like, an interview with him in the audience, but they weren't ready to bring him into the yeah, ring or right, storyline. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Jerry Lawler, who was big in Memphis, oh, man. <laughs> in the Memphis territory, he was approached by somebody in wrestling that was friends with Andy Kaufman, and they're like, are you interested in doing yeah. something? And he was. You know, he was, he was a showman and always looking to sell tickets. And so you get to see, like, their relationship and how they built that storyline and sold tickets. Oh, man. And it's really amazing. You know, like, he went on Letterman, and, and they kind of went off the script on Letterman. Right, yeah. Two great success for their wrestling storyline. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's all of the wrestling stuff I really enjoy, and you get to see, like, how they you're, – you're trying to sell the storyline, and they were very effective doing that. And a big part of it was Andy Kaufman was good at selling whatever. You know, huh. he was good as a stand-up. He was good as an actor, and that mm-hmm. carried on. He understood the mechanics of storytelling that way. So you get to see an inside, you know, kind of an inside. That's awesome. At, at how they did how, that. How, like, how, how was this a graphic novel? It's or a graphic it? novel. Okay. It's, uh, it's pretty hefty. I'm not sure of the page count, but I would guess 200 okay. pages, give or oh, take okay. a few. Okay. And um, it, That's I don't what know I was if you've th- read Box Brown's cartooning, but Mm-mm. he has a relatively simple style, which I find easy to read, and I appreciate that. Okay. 
Um, so, you know, I think it's a good cartoonist. I think it's a good story. And if you're into wrestling or Andy Kaufman, yeah, okay. um, you I, know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I was very happy that. with it. I was looking forward to it, and, and it did not disappoint. That's awesome. <laughs> well, um, speaking of wrestling, and, and I didn't realize this until I had, I had finished the book, but um, I had posted about this last week that I had just read the uh, from Boom Studios, the WWE, uh, then, now, and forever, um, or yeah, it's like a it was like a compilation, or it was like an anthology or something. And you had you you did a couple of um, variant covers for it. Yeah, I've done a few. Um, those are fun. They contacted me early on about doing uh, like what if stories. Mm-hmm. So. Um, all the, all my covers are featured, you know, like I get to propose like what I want to do. Yeah. They're all uh, Hall of Fame wrestlers and stuff, oh, you know, yeah, so like awesome. I'm drawing Ric Flair and no, Macho love, Man. Oh, that's yeah, the I best. Love, I love yeah. those covers. Yeah. It's exactly. It's that like is the best. Childhood yeah. favorites, yep. yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah, I've been very happy uh, doing those. They gave me a lot of freedom with them, and it's subject matter I'm interested in, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you, uh, did, uh, did you get a chance to read that one, or did you, or? Did I you haven't, read? no. Okay. I, I read uh, bits and pieces whenever I get my comps. Okay. But uh, I haven't even gotten comps for all the ones <laughs> I've done covers for. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I really surprisingly enjoyed that one. I, I mean, not, not surprisingly because, like, oh, it was, you know, the quality, but because of me. Like, I'm I, I not really um, into wrestling, or at least I haven't been in, like, 20 years. Um, not since, God, probably not since, like, the rock was still yeah. wrestling and, and stone cold and stone cold and all those guys. That was probably the last time I was really deeply invested in wrestling. And then of course, like in the eighties, everyone was into Hulkamania. Andre the <laughs> yeah. There was a cartoon, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Junkyard dog. I mean, yeah. Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, yeah. I mean, all those guys. I mean, that was just, that was, if you were a kid in the eighties, that Wildfire. was like, yeah. Right? Go way back, Tommy Wildfire. I saw Jim Duggan. I mean, yeah. you know. We, I could do this all night. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so, so every so often, like, when the, when uh, a wrestling comic comes up, again, it's, it's you know, we, we get some um, review copies from, from Boom. Um, I'll, I'll flip through it. And I'm, I'm really not so much into the new the new guys. I, the, again, it's, it, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm just – I don't follow the new stuff. So all these new guys – to me, they all look the same. They all, whatever. Um, so, but when I was flipping through that, the the then, now, and forever, um, and saw that they actually did a fair amount of like classic, you know, wrestling or you know s- stories about like some of the classic guys. I was like, ah, oh, this is this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a very strong sense of storytelling in wrestling and wrestling history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's psychology, but even like within the ring, um, I saw a great video where Stone Cold, you know, he does a podcast and somebody had asked him about some incident or other. And he went through and did like play by play for a match. And then somebody synced up the video from the match with his commentary. So it was like oh, a director's commentary. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was fascinating. But you would see like, you know, guys would get thrown out of the ring and then it's like, oh, now there's a different environment. You know, yeah. the mats are all dark and black and it's it's visually you know it's like this is a new location like a scene mm-hmm. um you know so there is real storytelling there but also a lot of cartoonists i think there's a lot of crossover between comic fans mm-hmm. comic creators and wrestling fans and so you know now i think you're able to connect those mm-hmm. so you get people working yeah. on these comics that aren't like 
the Marvel bullpen guy who just needs a paycheck, <laughs> but rather it's somebody who's into wrestling. Like an actual fan. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, like uh, my friend Andy Bellinger, he does Southern Cross, but he's oh, a big nice. wrestling fan. He actually wrestles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, he's great, too. He has a great character because, again, he's a storyteller. You know, yeah. So like mm-hmm. he's able to build that part into his character <laughs> and do very well with it. But he does a lot of, the, uh, he does a lot of comics with – um, that boom WWE series, okay. and they're great. You know, it's like I think he's doing one or just did one with Undertaker. You know, so sometimes it is these iconic characters, mm. uh, as you said. You know, it's throughout like some of WWE's history. Um, McMahon owns most of those characters. <laughs> you know, the way Marvel owns. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's right. not that different uh, in a way. You know, you have history in a, in a universe there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I, it makes sense to me that that's something that that they're better at now than they used to be making yeah. these these comics. Oh, yeah, um, because I mean, the, the, you know, they they did some you know wrestling comics. Well, they've done wrestling comics for years, but I remember some of the ones that came out in the well, it had been like the night late like maybe mid to late nineties, early two thousands were just kind of putrid. Yeah, they were they were, they were rough. I buy mm-hmm. a lot of old comics, and I just uh, you know like fifty cent books and yeah, yeah. half price books. Right. I just picked up uh, Ultimate Warrior had a comic oh, that he, oh, that he wrote called Warrior. I, <laughs> oh yeah, I actually yeah I, I found that when I was a couple years ago I was working at one of the NDC stores and I found that <laughs> and, and we flipped through it just the guy me and the guy was easy to with, find. Yeah, just, <laughs> just for a few of those. Yeah. just for a laugh we flipped through it and we're like oh my. God. Yeah, there's definitely uh, I, probably a lot more bad wrestling comics than good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Japan last year and they they've done wrestling comics there. You know, wrestling big in Japan. Comics are big there. So that was one of the things I went on that trip looking for and came back with a stack of comics from the early 80s that were characters. You know, you would recognize Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. Abdullah the Butcher. Um, those are pretty interesting. Nice. And then, like, I think the best wrestling comics I've read, uh, Jaime Hernandez, Love and Rockets. He's done several wrestling comics, some within Love oh, and cool. Rockets. Hmm. And then, like, he did a, a short series called Whoa Nelly uh, that featured some of the characters from Love and Rockets, but was its own comic, and it was basically just a wrestling comic. Uh, it's fantastic. Like, hmm. you know, no surprise, a great cartoonist who, like, yeah. Yeah. Know, grew up with this culture um, is able to make great comics about it, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, I, I group my comics by interests. Yeah, so I have like a, a small section of wrestling <laughs> comics, and those are the standouts. That's awesome. But it's it, it's funny to me that I always think of like these three methods of st- or three mediums, if you will. Like you've got comics, um, wrestling, and soap operas. I think those are like kind of like the three three mediums that. Never like if you think about it in terms of like TV shows like or whatever like there's never an off season for comics soap operas or wrestling like they go all year round yeah like there's never a break like they, there is no you know season like you know there is no summer or you know I mean it's yeah. just like they like a TV show will right. will go on on break for the summer or something like there is no break for those guys like they're constantly they're always telling stories all year round i mean do you know as far as like just being familiar with wrestling but i always wonder do the guys come up with their own storylines or or are they or are there people like trying to come up with ideas for them too like like it's heavily written now wwe is is probably more tv show than what you think of as wrestling and when you say like the 90s dan you know with stone cold and the rock and those characters those were like the last group of guys that came through. It, it used to be regional. So like you would yeah. take your character from place to place and you would, you know, run through a story arc. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and then you'd move on to the next yeah. region uh, because you would fans would lose interest, you know, like, like oh, yeah, over so time, could, or I've wrestled everybody, yeah. or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, you protected that character. And so Roddy yeah. Piper's a guy who used to do a podcast and yeah. really talked about this a lot because he was kind of on the front end of understanding how that worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's your value, you know. Um, so they were more responsible for it, but they would talk about, like, like Stone Cold talks about driving down the road and, you know, you're just working on your character, working <laughs> on what you're going to say because that's how you got paid. It's not like everybody yeah, that's what I gets paid the same. The guy at the mm, top gets paid right. more. Right, that's what I know? was thinking too is, like, are they the creative ones then, you know, coming up with that t- yeah, kind of dialogue? Yeah, it used to be, and now it's much more like an actor – Okay. Uh, than it than it would have been for previous generations. Okay. And, and whenever Dan, you criticize current product and say it looks like they all look the same, mm-hmm. they kind of do. You know, like they are mm-hmm. being written by the same group of writers the way oh, SNL okay. would be written each week. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know, so inevitably, you don't get those individual characters that previous mm-hmm. generations would have had. I mean, each per yeah, and it's still like an actor still brings something to the to the stage. Right. So the wrestler. Still has to uh, live up to whatever they're being written. They, I mean, I mean they, they, yeah, they're they, still they still have to perform. They still yeah, have to bring yeah. life to that to the so, role. Yeah, and that I'm sure there's some individuality, but yeah, overall, like like I said, there's a there's a kind of almost like a like a unifying look or theme hmm. almost. Interesting. Yeah, I would voice is what I think of. You know, I, I feel like you you see a very consistent voice that stretches through several okay. characters and. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if what you liked was Stone Cold being quick on a microphone and, and saying things <laughs> that other characters wouldn't think of to say, you know, maybe you watch old old wrestling. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. Because you, you don't necessarily see it now. But you might in other, other alternatives. You know, there are other wrestling options That's besides true. WWE. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, everybody tries to have their own what makes them different. Right. You know, so – that's a trade-off. You know, sometimes people leave WWE because they don't like that environment and they right. want to have more creative control over their characters or their booking. And mm-hmm. so That's true. Or or you're just trying to be a standout character and then you end up becoming famous and then you end up not being a standout character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess it, it kind of comes around a little bit, Jim, what you were saying about what we were talking about earlier about, you know, making comics – you make comics because you, you know, you make indie comics because you want to tell your own stories. And like you were saying, there now are indie wrestling circuits because they want to wrestle the way they want to wrestle or they want to be a character that they want to be. So, yeah, I think there's a more, again, similarities between, you know, those types of you know, comics and wrestling. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot of – definitely a lot of crossover. There's yeah, I started getting interested in wrestling several years ago. And like this, this is my the first Street Angel book that Image published. I, I don't know if this is a inappropriate plug time or not. No, but yeah, go no, for it. Yeah, it's built on you know like the story is that a bully at school starts uh, to challenge Jesse to a fight because she has a reputation, and if he were to win a fight, that would sort of make him. Mm. And the whole thing is built on what I my understanding of wrestling. So like there are several altercations throughout the day of like, okay, we're having this showdown, you know, this fight has been established and then they start bumping into each other 
and I treat it like promos. So each one, <laughs> nice. it shifts back and forth. You know, she gets the upper hand on this one, mm-hmm. yeah. and then in gym class, he gets the upper hand, and at lunch, you know, it goes back to her. But that was totally what I was picturing was, like, I'm building a fight. Like, they're yeah. going to have a fight after school, yeah. and I need it. You know, I want yeah, to build yeah. it up. I want the reader to anticipate it. And so that was what I was thinking of when I was, you know, putting those scenes together. was, like, <laughs> the same way you sell, like, a, a big fight yeah. is, like, you right. have interviews, and you have them run into each other, and you have these things escalate. Right. So, you know, it's the same idea. That was always my favorite thing from the old wrestling with like the early stuff with um was it Gordon Sully? <laughs> and and the podium. The podium got smashed every week. <laughs> I mean, but that was what it was, is they would set up and then they'd be like, Let's go wrestle right now. Right. And then they're like, Okay, let's go wrestle and you know, so as a little kid I'm thinking like, Wow, they're they're just throwing the script out and they're just you know, like there was a match scheduled, you know. Um Mm-hmm. You know, with Mike uh, Johnson or whatever. <laughs> I forget that guy's <laughs> name. But, uh, you know, and then his match is gone, and then, like, these guys are wrestling. So, but, yeah, it is that. It's that same idea of building it up. Even even back then, they, they kind of had an idea of what how to do that. Well, so, Jim, do you have any aspirations of doing, like, more wrestling material, or is it just more of kind of like a – like the hobby? Do you just you, Or are you just, like – you know, you want to keep it pure almost. Um, no, I would like to do a wrestling comic. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say it's it's not it's not quite on the list yet, like on the schedule. Mm-hmm. But in my head, <laughs> it, in my heart, it's it's very close <laughs> to uh, getting onto that schedule. So we'll see. It's something I think about. And, and I have started doing, you know, things in my sketchbook about it. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I, I work. I tend to work slow. You know, me saying that I'm starting it now means look for it in five years. <laughs> uh, but that that just tends to be. You know, I'm constantly working on several ideas at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like That's to have cool. these ideas just live in my head. You know, like like you do as much as you can on them, and you get these sticking points. And I like walking around with that. Like it's almost like you put the ingredients in, you let it bounce around. Yeah. You know, you mm-hmm. sleep on it a little bit, and and you wake up, and it's like your brain kind of sorts it out. So. Yeah, it's it's in there. If I die of old age, I will expect to do a wrestling comic at some point. So what um so what else do you have there on the couch? Um you know, I most of what I'm doing now is Street Angel related. So mm-hmm. like like I have three Street Angel releases coming out at the end of April, beginning of May. Um these are books that came out last year. Last year's Street Angel oh. mm-hmm. releases. Um they're hardcover graphic novels, Street Angel Gang. She accidentally joins a, a very tough street gang. That was one of I I, I love that cool. one. Oh, good. I, okay. Yeah, that, that one, yeah, I read that. Yeah. I loved it. I'm very happy. I'm very happy with all of these, but I do extra material. So, like, my end pages are trading <laughs> cards. So all of the <laughs> gangs yeah. are oh uh, identified with, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's a quick way to, like, yeah. introduce these gang characters. And then, like, the back end oh, pages are the, backs. the backs of the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that one's fun. And then Superhero for a Day, like, I described these three books as – uh, after school kung fu special is a day in the life of street angel she faces a bully at school uh street angel gang is like street angel's nightlife she accidentally joins a violent street gang because she's very good at gang stuff you know it starts out she's there to get free food and, and pretty soon she's kicking you know whoever's uh, ass in the gang that, that challenges her and, and working her way through the ranks and then superhero for a day um is is basically her on a weekend her friends okay. come across her pant. She's homeless for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah. And her friends come across her panhandling. But for them, hanging out with Street Angel is always fun because she's constantly having adventures and getting into trouble and doing things that for them is 
you know, mm, exotic yeah. and, and exciting. And so they end up on the weekend. They find a, a magical, like a superhero ring, and one of them turns into a superhero. And it's it's this whole <laughs> big adventure for them while she's just trying to find lunch. And you know, she's she's been there and done that with superheroing. So you get to see some local superheroes come and go. And I'm very proud of that story because like one of the staples of superhero genre for me are fights, and there's no fight. Okay. You know, it's just her and her friends hanging out. Yeah. And you know, they they bicker mm. a little bit, but they're hopefully it, it subverts some of the traditional superhero tropes. So those were all last year's releases. The end of April, I'm going to release a new hardcover. It's called Street Angel Goes to Juvie. Um, mm. You know, I, I like to think that's inevitable. Um, they're all self-contained. <laughs> they can be read in any order. So, you know, nice. it's like her adventure yes. of going to jail, which for most people sounds terrible, but for her, it's like a warm, dry place to sleep. It's three meals a day. Uh, you know, she befriends some of the girls <laughs> yeah, in the that in was the, amazing. Uh, jail, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh, by the way, thank you for sharing those with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I got to read it before the show. Yeah, and great. That was yeah. cracking me up. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that one. Image is releasing a one dollar uh, comic book version of the After School Kung Fu Special. They have a, a thing they do called Image Firsts. Oh yeah, where they release yeah. um, you know first issues of, of series to get new readers, so it's an easy way to you know try it out. And I'm very excited to have a Street Angel uh, $1 issue coming out because, like I said, it is self-contained. You know, if you're if you're curious about Street Angel, um, the Deadly Scroll Live, a homeless ninja skateboarder, <laughs> uh, if this sounds appealing to you, and yeah. I don't know why it wouldn't. This, you know, if you like yeah. the new G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes, Teenage Girl Ninja, yeah. <laughs> Street Angel might be perfect for you. So, you know, the dollar book's a good place to start. That comes out end of April. And then May 5th is free comic book day, and I'm super psyched. Uh, Image is doing a free comic book of Street Angel called Street Angel's Dog. Um, <laughs> what happens is Street Angel befriends a stray dog that she finds on the street whenever uh, a kid gang is chasing it down an alley mm-hmm. where she's dumpster diving for food. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she sees this dog being terrified and comes to its aid and quickly becomes, you know, best friends with the dog. Um, mm-hmm. the, the dog, I, I don't know if it's <laughs> if the dog would say he's best friends with her. Right. But uh, she loves having him there. And, uh, of course, there's a little bit more to it than, than that. Right. So, um, but I'm super psyched for that. You know, if you live near a comic book store, you can go there on May 5th and get a free, uh, you know, free co- lots of free comics. But you can get yeah. a free Street Angel comic. Yeah. And if you're in the Pittsburgh area, I'm going to try to sign all the Street Angel's dog comics in this area. You know, I'm friends with a lot of the store yeah. owners, so I'm going to mm-hmm. try to meet with them. Uh, the week before the the event, try oh, to awesome. sign as many of them as I can. So you know, if you show up in a yeah. Pittsburgh store, hopefully you can find an autographed uh, yeah, free Street Angels awesome. dog. And um, it's my latest, you know, it's my newest comic, and so I'm super psyched for it. I drew the whole thing on an iPad. You know, we were talking earlier about inking oh, and different yeah. different methods of working, and I tend to work with a lot of different tools. So this is my first uh, all digital effort. Oh. Um, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out i'm you know very happy with how it turned out yeah uh so i'm excited to share it It, it'll be you know because of the free comic book day promotion it's going to be a big print run and and will probably be the most read street angel comic that probably yeah that's awesome (laughs) this uh the the dog reminds me of referto a little bit from grew the wanderer do you you, i don't i don't know you never read i i I know a little bit but groot uh groot grew had this uh pet dog and it was just funny it, it this is it reminds me of it's almost like that in a nutshell but it's like uh gru's dog was always like gru is 
Groot was the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, <laughs> like he loved him. But then after a while, he started to realize that Groot was an idiot. <laughs> so then he would just have these. He's like, oh, not again. You know, like, and it got worse and worse as the series went on where the dog's just like, oh, I got to help him again now. You know, because he always had thought bubbles of what was going on. And I was like, if they actually, you know, if this kept going, I wonder where, you know, like yeah, this, whole, I, this whole idea, you know. I, I'm not sure, like I said, that the dog is as fond of Jesse <laughs> yeah, exactly. as he is with the dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were a few instances that the, the dog looked very frightened. <laughs> right. And, you know, like, what what is she getting me into now? <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's definitely what I'm going for. You know, I think um, – I enjoy Street Angel a lot. You know, like I said, it was the first comic I ever did, and then I spent 10 years doing other stuff before I came back to the character. Um, but that is what I think of. Like, if you were a parent and your and, and your, your child brought Street Angel home as her friend, yeah. you wouldn't be happy with that, you know? <laughs> she she would be terrifying. Um, so fun, fun to read about, but uh, probably not the person you'd want to yeah. be too close to in real life. <laughs> now, now, Very dangerous. When you say like so, you, so you took a, a a break between like the the original Street Angel series, and then you said you came back. Were you just kind of you just had like was it just other like oh these are paying gigs I'm going to do that first, or were you kind of waiting for like a story to hit you for, or is it like a mix? Um, it was it was more of paying gigs, and then just kind of following where my path led. You mm-hmm. know, um, I I've done I don't know eight or ten books, something like that, you know, and so sometimes it's necessity, it, it is, this is a paying job, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I quit my day job in 2007, which is, wow, it's wow. about time flying, but, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, once that happens, like, this is my main source of, of income, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, that is a concern, um, you know, I, I do need to take paying jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whenever <laughs> they come up, um, you know, and sometimes it's, Things develop organically, like, uh, you know, I've done my own creator-owned stuff, like Aphrodisiac was a book that I put out in the interim, just because, uh, you know, like I talk about doing a wrestling comic, you have these other ideas, you know, and they start to form, and and I I was doing things for anthologies, and then at some point, they gain momentum, and you're like, okay, I I know how that makes it as a whole book, you know, so I have half of it done, and now Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on the other half, or I have a publisher lined up for it, Um and and so, you know, what happened was we got to about 10 years. In, I'd been working with Ad House Books, a publisher out of mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia. They did Aphrodisiac and Supermag. Uh, they did uh, collections of my notebook drawings. Oh, yeah. So I had a really good relationship with him, and we were talking about doing a collection of Street Angel. It had been out of print for almost 10 years. And we I put together, like, a new hardcover, nice collection of that. And in the process of putting it together, I created some new work for it and was like, man, I still like this character. <laughs> and so then I was thinking about that character and enjoying it, and we were thinking about doing more Street Angel at that point just because, you know, I'd kind of gotten familiar with it yeah. again, and it was like, yeah. oh, I'm a better cartoonist now. You know? <laughs> but the character yeah. still made sense. You know, yeah. from, from my point of view, she's this dynamic character that runs around, skateboards, fights ninjas. It's a lot of stuff that I want to draw. It's a very yeah. fun character. Oh, yeah. It's a fun world for me as a cartoonist to visit. And so it's like, oh, do some light adventure comics. Right. You know, do some action comics. She's perfect you know, for mm-hmm. that. And then um, I was at Comic-Con as a guest, and I had a meeting with Image Comics, and I, I pitched them some stuff, and Street Angel was one of the things that I had pitched them. And that's they right. said yes, and, and you know, cut to now. Um, yeah. you know, I've been working with them for a couple of years now. 
Uh, it took some time to, you know, build up stories and, and get out in front of it. You know, once we started to publish them, I wanted to have a few stories done so that we could publish them on a regular schedule. That's right. mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. Well, and, and what's great about, like, that was my phone. Uh, <laughs> what's great about, uh, you know, like you said, the, the way the, the books are formatted and such is that, like you said, like you can pick any one up and read it. They're just kind of like one and done type of stories. Like there's no. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like an adventure. Yeah. Like I read this adventure. You don't have to you know, know 20 years of continuity to, right. to pick it up and right. read it. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's straightforward. It's it's a young homeless girl who fights ninjas and just gets into the shenanigans. And I mean, what's not fun about that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, I, I, I hope so. You know, I think about all the experiences I have where you'll hear about a comic book, you go to the comic book store, and they have issue three. Yeah. You know, especially with indie books, it can be very hard to find all of them or to find right. find them in the order that you right. want them. And so that was something I was very conscious of. And then also I think of my own reading habits, and it's, you know, I'm trying to make a book that I want to read. Yeah. You know, and I I read picture books and I read yeah. and I read at night. But if I can get a book that I can read in, in a half an hour or I can revisit or I can read independently, you know, I don't have to yeah. like look up what happened last time. It's been a couple months since right. I read the last installment. You know, that appeals to me. And so that that's mm-hmm. part of what went into like making these stories the way that we made them. And it was something that became very organic with, with image because I would finish a story and I would send it off to them and I'd be like, all right, here's another story. And, and you know, maybe we could publish these with no uh, issue numbers was, was something I remember saying. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was really like, what? We can't do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, but, you know, but then it was their suggestion to publish them as standalone graphic novels. Yeah. You know, because there are books like that. Um, uh, no Brow publishes like Hilda, which is now becoming oh, a yeah. Netflix animated series, but oh, it's wow. a very similar format. Huh. You know, mm-hmm. so like I think those lines between graphic novel, comic book, picture book, they're all blurring, you know, and I've become a big fan. Uh, I teach at the School of Visual Arts. I teach visual narrative in their master's program. And we have all different storytellers, you know, so that includes things like documentary filmmakers, video game creators, you know, and whenever I was building my curriculum, it's you start to look at all these different storytelling models and I fell in love with picture books. And in my head, you know, like half the comic books I read are probably for kids or all ages or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're for all these different audiences. And I never think about like, oh, that that book's not for me or whatever. I just go, oh, I love how this book looks or I like this story or character. And when I started reading picture books, I had that same experience of, like, I'm surprised more people don't read picture books because a lot of them are beautiful and amazing and, and great stories. And I see so many – they're so similar to comics in so many ways. Yeah. But they're not something that I see a lot of crossover between comics and picture books. And so for me it was like, oh, this is just this great new influence that I can bring into my <laughs> uh-huh. work. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that a lot of other people maybe aren't mining that resource. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's been really exciting for me working with Image is that they're open to that. Right. Well, um, so I, I've got a question from Jared. So Jared couldn't be here yeah. tonight, but he, he, he sent along a question okay. for you. Um, <laughs> so he says – so he asks, when creating the comics for different formats – large, mini, web, et cetera, uh, have there been any concessions that you've had to make uh, as far as your layouts or designs? Not really. I, I do think about it. Whenever I do my comics, I do them two pages at a time, what's known as a spread, because I do, like, the book is what I have in mind. But I have experimented with different web comics and with some of, like, the, um, like, Tapas and Webtoons, which are phone apps. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, those have been really interesting mm-hmm. to me because it'll involve, you know, like I'm still, most of that material is still intended to go to print at some point, mm-hmm. but yeah. you can't just put like, <laughs> you know, you can't put this on a phone, you know, because oh, like yeah. the, right. the, your panels are a quarter of an right. inch wide if, if this whole thing is reduced down to phone right. width. So um, it is something I think about, and it's something that's kind of fun to think about for me is, like, how do I format it? So when I was making this book, I was doing it at the same time for a phone. I would make my pages, and then I would actually make a version for the phone when I still had kind of, like, all the layered artwork, mm-hmm. you know, basically building it, you know, is how I would think of it. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it takes some creative uh, solutions. You know, if you have a wide panel, you've got to figure out maybe I crop it differently. Or you know, maybe I crop it into a couple of panels. Um, one of the weirder experiences I had was um, I was reformatting some pages, and I actually changed the order of the panels for the phone. Um, it read better huh. that way, and I would not have expected that. Yeah, you know, but they, it was actually in a different sequence. And I have I have like a a European paperback. Yeah. of a graphic novel. And I have the graphic novel and I have the paperback because I like formats. So like yeah. I'll, I'll pick <laughs> yeah. this stuff up whenever yeah. I see it. And it has panels in different orders, but it's in a line. I can't read it. You know, so like I don't know exactly, <laughs> oh, right. it, you know, if the cat, right. if they're changing the word balloons and stuff to make that make sense or not. But that was one of the first times I saw that kind of format changing. And then whenever I did it myself, I was surprised by it, but it just read better. So that's I funny because, because your brain is still, uh, working on that information, even though you don't understand everything, you're still trying to figure out, yeah, like switching things back and forth and, what, yeah, you know what works. It, it is very so, different, and and cool. you know, I, I went to Japan last year and I came home with a suitcase literally full of manga, you know, untranslated oh, manga, <laughs> and so like I can't read the words in any of it, but I still will kind of try to like follow yeah. along stories and the ones that you know that I'm interested in. And sometimes, you know, you really can read them. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what characters are saying, but I can see exactly right, what's happening. Right, the emotions or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I love format. I think about it all the time, sometimes to the point of distraction. <laughs> but that's part of how I make comics. You know, yeah. like a lot of times if you think of a Marvel comic, you have that whole list of a team that's doing everything. You know, you have a writer and a colorist and a right. penciler and letterer mm-hmm. and everything. But whenever I'm making comics, like, I do everything. You know, I talked about, like, cu- I cut them. Yeah. I staple them. You know, I print yeah. them. Um, so you're still very hands-on. You haven't yes. gone totally digital like a lot of creators have. Right. And, and you know, sometimes I'm more digital than other times. One mm-hmm. of the things I want to do is create a comic uh, all on paper uh, using markers uh, because I see examples of that. And I go, oh, I like how this looks. I know right. it can be done, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and right. You know, people have done that for a long time, but they still do it. I, I have uh, comics that I read now that are brand new where the person just works in markers and they look great. So, you know, I, I have all those different interests mm-hmm. and I try to pair it with a story that makes sense. You know, the nice thing with True. doing short stories is you can you can approach each story and say, how will this look the best? You know, mm-hmm. like, what do I draw this with? You know, I, I have a black and white street angel story that I want to do, you know, getting back to the black yeah, and white. Yeah. Um, because I, I read a lot of um, 80s black and white explosion comics. I love them. <laughs> and part of what I like about them is most of those are done by one person. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I read those and they're decades away from now. It's pre-digital. It's pre-image yeah you know they're very different in a lot of ways but they're also i, I recognize like kindred spirit yeah you know mm-hmm. it's like these guys that are sitting at home alone yeah. making this comic by themselves and it's their vision and so I, I find that real exciting and powerful and i 
you know, I, I, that's where my inspiration comes from. So, you know, I like making web comics. I like making comics for the phone. That's exciting to me. I look at, you know, I spend all my life on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I want to make comics yeah, everybody that look does. great True. on that screen. Um, you know, I have an iPad that's talk about a beautiful screen. Like yeah. mm-hmm. everything looks great on there, you know, so I'm, I'm interested in making more comics on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean that, that's almost exclusively how I read comics now. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I think I've talked about this on a previous show. Just, for me, it's it's just a matter of practicality. Absolutely. You know, you, not having to worry about storage or you know or you know I, I can take everything with me. <laughs> you know, I can sit there at my lunch hour and I can read a, an, a, you know an omnibus or something and, yeah. and just, <laughs> you know that's a great example. I, I always think of those omnibuses as like. They sound so good in theory, and yeah. they're the worst thing to they read. Are. Yeah, they are <laughs> so unwieldy. I, right. I, I I have the the Alias Omnibus at home. Never read it. Yeah. And, oh my goodness. And it's like one of my favorite books yeah. of all time. But it's it, it's almost like you have to plan to read it. <laughs> you like, have to be like sitting upright. Yeah. yeah. You have to be like have some yeah. support for I, it. I, I right. Need, I need a table, and I need <laughs> like you know I, I need a lot of space. Yeah. You can't read that in bed. No. <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even read. You can't even like sit in a chair and read it because, like, you think, oh, I, I can't even recline because the damn thing is fifty pounds. And you're right. You, know, <laughs> you picture the wife coming home and finding you like buried under. Yeah, like pillows yeah. stacked oh. up. It's laying right here. Yeah, and you're trying to yeah. yeah flip it. But yeah, so you know, for me, the like I said, it's all about practicality. Just <laughs> you know, reading comics on my on my iPad. Hmm. You know. And I, and I I subscribe to uh, Marvel Unlimited, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I just I, I I just love Marvel Unlimited, you know. <laughs> Do you think about comic book stores? I, I feel like that's become a popular. It's become a, a big topic, you know. Like Meltdown, mm-hmm. you know, just closed in L.A. after twenty some years. Oh, one yeah. of the great yeah. stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw there was a, a shop in New England that's been open for thirty years that's closing. You know, it, it seems like this is becoming more of a topic now. Do you think about that? You know, like like the Marvel Unlimited is this great thing that allows you to read all these comics. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. Are there books that you buy? Like, are there still things that you go, I want this on my shelf? Um, yeah, there's still, you know, um, things I'll, I'll, I'll actively search out. I'll, uh, like, um, uh, Ed's uh, X-Men Grand Design. The, the treasury edition, you know, mm-hmm. that's something I'd want on my shelf, you know, mm-hmm. you know, not to, not to kiss up, but your books, I would want your books on my shelf, you know, they're, so I, I think my collecting has also changed in that, you know, I'm, I'm not going for the, for the weekly books anymore. I'm going for like things that, that, that I want to keep for the long term and that I want to keep on my shelf. And I feel like those, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, ha- you know, sadly, I don't have to go to my LCS every week to, to get those. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and in fact, that, that would almost be a, a little crazy because I'd be spending upwards of, depending on the book, 20 to 40 bucks on yeah. just one book every week. So I'm going to space that out anyways, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the what, what the answer is as far as, um, you know, with stores that are closing. I mean. I don't know if it's just because, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, that there's, because of the shift to digital, that's, you know, having an effect. But I just wonder if a lot of these um, store owners are just aging out. 
Yeah, I don't. Not I'm not sure it's the situation of like the sky falling. Um, I, I can remember an interview, uh, maybe a year. You know, you know, their stores close every year, so like yeah. I don't know whether this is just Alarmed. business as u- yeah. usual yeah. or what. I remember it's listening just a coincidence to coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Stevenson did a, an interview last year, I want to say, and this topic, you know, comes up especially with publishers. And he was saying like the number of stores is the same as it was, you know, ten years ago. It's the mm-hmm. same as it was in 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's always some state of like some stores closing and some stores opening. Right. Um, I, I think retail in general is facing. I, I hate to say retail apocalypse, but it does seem like yeah. Yeah. you know, consumer. Tr- We're seeing a lot of closure patterns now. are changing. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, like I think of it as like I make comics, so like what am I doing in all of this? You know, or what are other comics makers doing? And I wonder about that weekly format, like part one of, you know, a six part or, or, you know, a part of like a six part story. It does seem like that's not a very satisfying thing to buy. Like if you're going to produce your $4 single issue, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and I would buy a single issue, even if it were a longer story, there was like a story, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, there's, there's a complete thing here. I can read yeah. this. I can reread it. I get a beginning, middle and end. And I, I don't think that's the case for the majority of stuff that's published now in that format. Right. Uh, in a way, it's like this antiquated format that most comics I don't think take advantage of. And, and you know, maybe as a as a whole, we can clean that up a little bit <laughs> as comics creators. Yeah. You know, maybe don't make the com- you know don't make the four dollar twenty page comic if that's not a complete thing. Like yeah. if it's right. built to be a collection. It's one of those things. Make a collection. Yeah. It is one. Of, it's funny because I still I still go uh, weekly to the the comic book store. Mostly, I, I find that it's more also part of the social right aspect mm-hmm. is what I really why I, I you know I want to keep going. I want to keep supporting the store because there's other like minded people there. Um, but uh, I've noticed that too, where I prefer the books that are like give it to me now. You know, like give me. Uh, a story I can read and enjoy, you know, in five to 15 minutes or whatever it takes. Um, but then the long running ones, I wonder if, um, I start to wonder like, well, would I really pay, uh, $48 for this story? You know, which is basically 12 books over, you know, $4 books or whatever. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't pay $48 for this. So it's, it is kind of funny because they, there, it's it's a little deceptive because you're like, oh well, I'm only paying four dollars for this book, but then if you look back at it, you're like, why did I buy this? <laughs> you know, I would never pay fifty dollars for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, me personally, I think it is more like I read something and I'm like, this was good. You know, it, it was like a beginning to end story. Batman's been really good for that lately. Um, they mm-hmm. do. Maybe one to two, maybe three issues at the most, but they'll yeah, like shorter arcs. It'll be a really short arc, and like even this month's issue was a one shot, so I felt good about that. I was like, okay, I I'm caught up. I didn't have to think too hard about what had happened previously. <laughs> you got to see Catwoman shopping for her wedding dress, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there could have been more dialogue, I feel, but uh, in that book, but uh, yeah, but it is like that. It's I don't know if it's my taste or you know, or what's changing, but maybe it is just. Well, I, I, I also think, um, aside from just the, the the shift to digital with Marvel Unlimited or Comicsology, um, 
independent creators now have a different delivery system or multiple delivery systems to get their work out there. It used to be, oh, it, it, like you said, in, in the with the with the black and white explosion or the black and white comics. Back then, the only way to get your comics out there were either to go to shows or hopefully get them into your local comic shop. Well, now you only you could sit at home and never leave your house and sell your comics online or you know on social media or whatever mm-hmm. i mean there's so many different delivery methods for you know for getting your comics out there now right um you know the the idea of taking a stack of them to your lcs and in trying to sell them there is that, that's almost an antiquated idea you know this is a just the question I thought of too, but like when you when you um, set up at a show, and and you're you know you're well known, you know I mean you have you have <laughs> you an might audience have different, different definitions well, of you know well what known, I mean, but okay you have, but you have an audience that comes to your table sure but do you feel that you have to sell your books at a show like do you feel that you're still like I have to pitch to every person you still, you, so, so yeah so you okay. you still have to hustle absolutely yeah. Yeah. okay I I don't I don't love that part but I. I I feel like if I'm at the show, if I'm if I'm spending time going to that show, it is to sell books. Right. You know, it is to expand my audience. Um, you know, and there's definitely ways to do that. It's a craft the same way as making a comic is a craft. And over the years, I've tried to embrace that and, mm-hmm. you know, think about that and apply okay. that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what I'm there for. Yeah. You, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not it, – it's not purely – you know, it's definitely not a hobby for me at this point. You know, yeah. like I enjoy that social aspect. But that's not why I'm there. Right. You know, so, like, I do look at it as, like, this is me getting dressed up to go to the office. Right. You know, and I have mm-hmm. a, a, a to-do list while I'm there. Right. You know, and it is to engage with people okay. and, and to try to be, well, it's, it's, you it's know, your, Like you said, it's your business. It is, absolutely. You know, and I think there's good business practices. You know, like, yeah. like you see, comics are notorious for the antisocial behavior. Yeah. And I just look around at those shows, especially when I first started doing shows, and the behavior was just incredible to me that somebody would even leave the house if that's how they were going to behave. <laughs> yeah, right. yep. um, you know, so I don't love doing shows, but yeah. I, if I'm going to do them, I'm going to do them as well as I right. can. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and, and I think there's a lot of benefit to doing them for sure. And okay. I'm grateful that, that people read the books, you know, and I'm excited yeah. to get feedback. And that yeah. is a place where, you know, you can have those conversations. That's cool. So, I think there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of positive that can come out of shows, and I've tried to like find those positives. You know, like if mm-hmm. you're going to be there, there's only so much you can do. Like it's possible to just go to a show and have all, do all the positive things, right? You know, all the parts <laughs> you like about a show, you can go and do um, because you know they they don't last very long. That's so cool. um, the reason I guess the reason I started thinking that was um, because now I'm going to lose my train of thought. Um, oh, but I I feel that. You know, we were just talking about how there's more the audiences right there for, um, you know, like you can reach your audience uh, digitally immediately. And I, I wondered if there was uh, a separation that happens um, that people go to shows for not necessarily finding new comics to read because I, it's something that we run into. You know, you feel like maybe the audience isn't here for mm-hmm. for this. Um and I just wondered, like, I guess how, how that, how you feel about it too, but if you, but it, a lot of times it seems like um, 
just what people are going to see what's and and, uh like maybe they're (laughs) but maybe they're familiar with your work but they're also like well what else do you have absolutely i guess that's what i'm getting at yeah you know i i definitely have um i do a lot of the same shows Mm -hmm. you know i do heroes every year i do spx some of these shows that are that i've been doing for many years so i'll i'll have i'll talk to some of the same people every year okay and you know they're fans like like mm-hmm. they have all of my books yeah whatever. you know they do show up and they and they wonder like do you have that some zine that i can't get anywhere right. else or do you have a right. print or art or i just want you to sign the book right. that i bought you that's know cool. and, and so like there's a there's a pretty wide range and okay. like i said that's part of that you know it's okay. part of why i go to the show yeah. like i do want to meet people that are right. you know talk to people that are reading my work <laughs> um because their perspective is totally different than mine too yeah and it's helpful for me trying to sell the, to the, these books if I have an understanding of like, well, what are people responding to? Mm. Like, why does this person buy all of my Very books? True. You know, what, yep. what do they see whenever a new street angel comes out? Cause in a, in a lot of ways, I know, I know this stuff the least, you, you know, I don't know it as a reader at all. Oh yeah. You know, I don't have that perspective. I can't have that perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> It's beneficial for me to have somebody come up and be That's like, I bought yeah. all your books because I love, you know, this character yeah. or, or, you know, this part of that. Oh, or something. yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, um, you had, you, you had uh, said something earlier about um, treating it like uh, you're going to work or going to the office. So, um, and, you, and, you know, you I, I, I treat uh, – Monday through Friday that way as well. <laughs> you know, some days oh, I'm, yeah. I'm super psyched and I and I wake up two hours early because I'm I have something on the drawing table that I can't wait to get to. Mm-hmm. But you know, some days you wake up and your back hurts and yeah. you know yeah. you have some really hard scene to draw that right. you haven't quite figured out yet. You know, and you you need to get drawing done that day too. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that I, I do try to approach it as professionally as possible. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that's cool. It's, I, like I love that. doing it. Most of the time, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like the days that it's not the best thing in the world, you have to do it that you day still too. Still do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely worse jobs to have. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. To say, and, and, and not only that, I mean, you know, you, you could have a, a job that doesn't totally suck, but it might not be your passion. But you know, so this is, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you're fortunate, you know, that you, you know, that you love what you do. I mean, yeah. Um, but no, what I was going to ask was, uh, so you've got, I think it's coming out later this year. You've, uh, your uh, next, the next Street Angel book is Street Angel versus Ninja Tech. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. she declares war on the ninja industrial complex. Oh man. Um, no. So how do you fight a building? Uh, <laughs> this, this is a question she has to no. has to try to answer. And there's uh, ninjas in suits, I think, right? Uh huh. So there's one thing. Executive I, ninjas. There's one oh, thing I nice. love. Um, almost above a lot of like like uh sets or scenes or things that are set up but like office humor i love office. that's why like like the office has got to be like one of my like favorite yeah. shows of all time so like office humor it's my favorite so you've had I'd, better better office experience than me i i think of that like beige yeah. off-white color is yeah. like that's my vietnam flashback oh yeah oh yeah i've definitely i've been there been there's there. a lot of therapy in uh, street angel versus ninja tech nice <laughs> in a lot of ways that's that's the one that hits closest to home you know that's that's me doing personal comics there so is that going to be the same format the mm-hmm. same okay and, and when does when is that coming out it comes out in the fall i think it's uh first week of november i believe um i like to do halloween stuff and so like you know halloween being the week before i'll probably do like a, a halloween web comic mm-hmm. um you know to kind of like p- start to promote that book a little bit but it'll be in november so i think 
probably like six months between uh, Street Angel Goes to Juvie and, and the uh, Street Angel versus Ninja Tech. Mm-hmm. Nice. I never know release stuff. You know, last yeah. year we released three of these on a quarterly schedule. Um, this year we're doing two of them. Um, you know, the book, like there's a whole book promotion cycle. So it's, I'm still okay. learning, like, okay. how do you release these? Or, you know, what's the best schedule? And, and so I'm still trying to figure that out. But we'll have two two new hardcovers this year. Okay. So, and and I know you said your, like, your relationship with, with Image is really good. Do you, is, do you have someone that's like, like there specifically to help you like from, from the business side or like like you said how you you're not really sure about release schedules and things like that like is there someone at image who's basically whose job it is to help you mean like be on track with, with that stuff there there are people that have specific responsibilities you know so like we have uh, a, a book i don't know his, his title exactly but he's essentially he's he's the book sales person you know so he deals with bookstores uh this would include amazon Barnes and Noble, okay. um, I forget the the name of the the big bookstore in Canada, but you know, like that's his specialty. So um, he goes through that book promotion that I talk about. You know, like he gathers up the book materials, I don't know, nine months in advance or, mm. or so. You know, it's a different lead in time than like comic the comic book distro. There's a different person for a comic book distro. Um, you know, so when I have questions. I will get directed to the appropriate person or some of these people I just talk to anytime a new book is coming out, you know, and we mm-hmm. kind of go over all of this. They have a publicist. If I think they have several publicists, but there's a publicist that I work with there. You know, we write press releases together. If there's something that I'm trying to, you know, get out in, into, into, into press and mm-hmm. online, um, you know, we'll talk about that and try to figure out like, who do we send this to? Who do you want to talk to? Try to coordinate that. Um, you know, there's production people that I work with mm-hmm. on each book. Um, you know, so they have a staff that, you know, of, of different jobs. So it depends on what you need. <laughs> I do a lot of my own design, uh, you know, where I think a lot, some creators don't, you know, some creators, they turn in like they're, here's the art to the next book. Oh, yeah. Whereas like I'm turning in like, this is essentially print ready, like, yeah. you know, go through it, make yeah. sure, you know, and, and they'll find things too that I've missed. Um, mm-hmm. I get so mad. I, I, I've got... <laughs> I, I have typos. <laughs> they just kill me, but they end up finding a lot of stuff that I miss, you know, that Brian and I miss. Um, mm. Sometimes there'll be art things, you know, like I might have some, you know, not to get too esoteric, but you know, like they, they have people that do all of this. So I hand off the files to the appropriate person or I discuss, you know, dates and shipping and stuff. Whenever we were doing the free comic book day, I talked to the book, um, the book sales guy about like, when should I release Street Angel Goes to Juvie. Do I release it before Free Comic Book Day? Do I release it after Free Comic Book Day? Yeah. And that's like the advertisement for it. Like, what's the timing for it? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're there, uh, I guess, as much as you want to use them or, okay. yeah. you know, to fill in the, the stuff that you're not sure about or mm-hmm. want their expertise. <laughs> you know, I, I, everybody I talk to there, it's like, keep in mind, this is my first time, you know, going through Diamond or going, you know, doing okay. this or that because I have done so much on my own and I have done so much as is very like a very indie you know diy mm-hmm. so all of this has been new to me and it's just like listen you know tell me what i can do um you know for example last week was final order cut off on one of the books and so i have like the 500 top retailer lists contacts and i contact every single one of them individually you know so it takes wow. a bunch of time but like 
whatever it takes, you yeah, know, like yeah. that's a day that maybe right. I, I wasn't, I didn't wake up early that day. Right. <laughs> I wasn't as excited to do that, <laughs> but that's part of the job too, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, y- you kind of have to do that part as well. And, you know, a lot of people don't, which is great. Cause that means, you know, you can, you can advance yourself a little bit if you're willing to do those things. Right. So I try to let them know that, you know, I do a lot of podcasts because I'm happy yeah. to do podcasts. So like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, d- let the publicist know that right. I'm, I'm willing to do that. Some people aren't, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. Yeah, image has been a, an interesting experience. You know, like <laughs> image, I, I always describe it as like my dream was to make comics, which would have been drawing Spider-Man and Wolverine because that's yeah, my artists yeah. that I like were doing that. And then whenever all those artists got together and formed Image, it was like, then my dream was to do my own comics. <laughs> like, That's what and I so, want to do. you know, to, to do a book with them has been this dream that I've had since they formed. Yeah. Uh, so it's been pretty awesome, you know, that part of it. But it, <laughs> but it has been different. You know, it's it's certainly different than what I'm doing everything myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still learning. Yeah. Know. I was going to say, cool. could, could you ever, did you ever imagine a day where you'd be uh, putting out a book, the same company that put out Youngblood? and spawn and savage dragon i mean it's it's pretty amazing one thing about comics though is like the industry is very small yeah um you know and i don't i don't say that in any way disparagingly but it's like you can meet all these people like whoever it is that that you're a fan of or you know have a question for like it's pretty you know like like you do these shows and you're in the same room with these people, right. you know, there's not, there's not a, a huge separation there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been interesting to meet guys from image, you know, to meet Rob Liefeld or, or these guys that, uh, were making the books that inspired me to want to make comics. Yeah. And now it's like, you get to go and have dinner with them or something. Yeah. It's, it's, now you're on the same, like yeah, the same you're a peer almost. in a lot. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So that's yeah. been, uh, that's been very strange at times <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and very enjoyable at other times. And, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that's kind of odd. I, I often think like if I could tell my twelve year old self this, mm-hmm. he'd be blown away. Yeah, sure. But then like the reality of being forty and doing it, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of the things that would have impressed twelve year old me don't don't really. It's like, man, I was stupid back then. <laughs> Sometimes it's still you know you, you you can be surprised with who you're sitting next to or talking with or getting a nice email from you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just that's got awesome. um. One more question, I guess, and then we'll start wrapping things up. Um, do you do, do you ever get asked about uh, aphrodisiac, like more like people ask you for more aphrodisiac? Yeah, that was a really popular book for us. I want more aphrodisiac. John. Same. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying I want more. Aphrodisiac. Same here. <laughs> it's awesome. They, they don't always yeah. corner me in a room with a microphone and camera on whenever yeah. they ask me. Right. I have been asked Not, for more of that. Yeah. Yes. No there pressure, but but you're live. So where's more aphrodisiac? <laughs> I, I have been thinking a lot about doing an '80s book. I don't know that it would be oh, aphrodisiac, cool. but yeah. in terms of like you know okay. period pieces, right? Oh, that'd be um, great. I, I do. It's it's funny my list of ideas and things that I want to do are random in ways where it's like the setting, like, yeah. Oh, something in the eighties, you know? And then in yeah. my head, it's like, that's a, a specific art style. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, maybe think of a character or a story to go with. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, but it, but it is, you know, that, that's something that's intriguing to me. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's what, how aphrodisiac came about was thinking specifically about the seventies and, and yeah. movies and comics from that era. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll be aphrodisiac, but but there there are okay. ideas swirling around my sketchbook for that. Cool. I mean, you could even do the wrestling thing and and then pick an era <laughs> if you wanted to. You know, I mean, that 80, would also, 80s wrestling is a pretty rich, that would be pretty awesome. That would be that's really, when a lot of things were happening. Yeah, in wrestling. Oh, right. Man. 
seismic changes in the industry. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was, I mean, dare I say, a, a golden age Yeah. for some people, you know. Absolutely. At least maybe, maybe for our generation. I don't know. I heard somebody explain it um, the other day. Like, if you're a certain age, you know, say 40 or whatever, um, I think WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania is like 34, 35 years right. ago. So, like, when you were a little kid is whenever Hulk Hogan and, like, the, the cartoon that you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, is whenever we were all children. So, yeah. like, right. Hulk Hogan and bright colors and rock and wrestling, you know. And then you get into, like, your teenage adolescent kind of angry years. Yeah. And it's, like, Stone Cold and, and mm-hmm. Mankind That's and these true. guys busting each other's yeah. heads open with chairs. <laughs> you know, so, like, we, we've kind of gone through this era, you know. Now it's back to PG where, like, we're all parents and now they've kind of cleaned up the rest of quite a bit so now your kids can watch it they've Uh, also made it more inclusive for for women too yeah it's you know it seems like that's something that they've worked on our spouses to wrestle yeah 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 (laughs) yeah so it's it's kind of like mirrored a certain development (laughs) for for our age group uh starting in that that 80s era that golden era (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny yeah it's it's weird to think of it in those terms but yeah yeah, we're, we're we're the old men now. <laughs> so, well, um, Scott, do you have any anything no. else? I no, think, I we're, think we're, we I covered think, it. I think we're just gonna do. We'll just have it's just just do one. This is like a mega yeah, episode, like yeah, a, like a longer episode. Doesn't yeah. make sense to. I agree. It. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just we'll just do that. <laughs> I tend to be long winded. Nah. No, this is you yeah. know this is great. In fact, I mean this because I I think. Well, like, when was we did that? We did an interview before. Well, that, that's why I, I was about to say the the, the 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 impetus to have you back on the show is like I said, we haven't talked in like six years, at least in this. Yeah. Well, what's better is that was a phone call, I believe, right? Yeah, that, so, was, that was a Skype. Yeah. And and I I think I, I remember we just started talking. I, I didn't even get a chance to oh, like really yeah, really right. do an intro, but I didn't want to interrupt our <laughs> I was conversation. Like, I was like, please, Dan, hit record. And I, did you record? I have no idea I, if you and did. I did. And I he think, did. I think I think I just tacked on a an intro in yeah. the beginning, but I didn't even care because joining I mean, in progress. Yeah, we, and like the know, conversation was rolling. We, we love having you on the show. Yeah, I mean, it was, you're, you're that was just a blast. A, just a delight to talk to. Yeah, I mean, thank you. It's it's fun. It's you know I it's, love doing this, and it's nice to do it in person. It, it's it awesome. Make a difference. Like I say, we've known you for a long time. It's awesome to see you uh, with every success that you have too. It's it's so mm-hmm. cool. It's cool to see you continue. You know, it's like inspiring to um, you know having a you know corporate day job kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's inspiring for me to want to go home and work on things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate good. it too. So, yeah, yeah, it's well, been uh, yeah. it's been a good a good town for comics. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I I grew up an hour south of here. There was no comics mm-hmm. store in my town, and the comic shop and socializing there was a big part of like right. me making comics. You know, right. it's where I met mm-hmm. other people that were making comics, and and it's interesting. When I moved here, I knew one other person that made comics, Jason Lex. Yeah. And now it's like, I don't know, I could probably name 40 people who yeah. have made at least a, it's you know, crazy. a comic book. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's pretty great you know, yeah. from that point of view. So that, yeah. that kind of inspiration, I think, circulates both ways. Right. You know, knowing other people making comics, being able to have right. conversations like this, having a good network of stores where you meet people that mm-hmm. are interested in it. All yeah. of that stuff's really important to me. I agree. Um, yeah. So I feel like Pittsburgh's been pretty good in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, definitely. I, yeah, we we we've definitely had this conversation a couple of times about the how the the comic scene in this area has really just just exploded. I mean, just 
between the creators and the stores and you know I, I you know I, I think we're just fortunate to have the the number of great stores in this area that we that we do or some towns don't you know they're lucky if they've got one or two we've got I mean we've probably got a, a solid dozen yeah I, I think it's a big contributor to uh, creators popping yeah. up you know mm-hmm. because it is a place where you find each other it's a place mm-hmm. where you find you know references and mm-hmm. a lot of those store owners are a big part of that you know they're yeah. connecting people they're connecting you to work that would interest you yeah, uh, yeah. you know at some point they're selling that's your work true. you know that's like true. it's, it's yeah. this whole cycle but we are lucky for that and and you know when we talk about comics retail changing I have such fond memories of comic book shops, mm-hmm. and, and there's still, you mm-hmm. know, like I when I travel somewhere, my favorite thing is to find the comic shop Same and visit it. You know? that's, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do wonder, like, what the future of comics, comic shops, comic retail is. And, and I know retail's changing everywhere, but you know, the comic shops are the ones that I'm most worried yeah. about or think about. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I wonder what that looks like because. I don't know that that in-person community is something that mm-hmm. I, I, I realize people have online communities, but personally, I've just gotten so much out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I would hate to see that different yeah. go it's, away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I remember growing up. If my mom was looking for me, it, like she had the phone number of the comic book store on the fridge, <laughs> like she knew to call me and say, "On your way home, pick up a loaf of bread or something," you know. Um, That's really <laughs> great. Like three cell awesome. phones. Yeah. Yeah. The comic shop owner has to be like, "Dan, yeah. hey. Dan, your mom's your mom on the phone. She needs milk." <laughs> that was it exactly because I mean, especially I mean, God, during the summers, I mean, um, we'd spend hours there. I mean, just hours hanging out. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. Yep. It's so funny. I miss those <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think that's uh, – we're going to probably wrap this up. Yep. Um, Jim, thanks again. Yeah, thank for, you guys. For being on the show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, hopefully it won't be another six years. Yeah. I, I can come in and be more uh, prepared and do reviews of, of other people's comments. Okay. Too, uh, yeah, we kind of – yeah, we just kind of dragged you in here. Like, yeah. 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 Just, we'll, we'll, just yeah talk about whatever yeah, yeah next time yeah we'll, we'll we'll give you some lead time next time but um uh, but yeah like i said we we appreciate having you uh, you know you coming in um scott i don't appreciate you at all <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> uh i kid i kid nah. scott nah. You know, i wouldn't wouldn't be here <laughs> we wouldn't have this if it weren't if, if you weren't that's here. true you, you know you we, and i we you know we, we made this thing so that's <laughs> Anyway, all right, so this has been episode 271 of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. I'm Scott. I'm Jim. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. See you.